Before we begin, don't forget that if you want to hear this episode ad-free, then sign up to our members channel. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes. Members will get exclusive access to all episodes of Smoking Gun, completely ad-free, before anyone else. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the scene. Hidden among vast orange groves sits a rural American street. Pristine front lawns and mailboxes signal the entrance to modest, detached family bungalows in sunny Florida. In June 1988, it would have been sweltering. Perfect orange-growing weather. A man named Pi Carr would, like most days, make his way out of his home to collect the day's post from his metal mailbox. That day, along with the bills and business letters he picked out a typewritten letter. Stuck on the front was a post-it note. The letter read, You and all your so-called family have two weeks to move out of Florida forever or else you all die. This is no joke. Pi, reasonably perturbed by the anonymous threat, showed it to his local pastor, a man named Bob Grant. Bob knew the family well. He knew they were well-liked in the community. He tried to put Pi at ease. Nobody would realistically want to hurt him or his family. Pastor Bob told him it was probably best to forget about it. Forget about it and move on. Pi and his family duly did so. Though a short while later that year, that decision would prove to come at a fatal cost in the most mystifying and agonising circumstances. My name is Romola Gary, and I'm an actress who's always been fascinated by how criminal cases are solved, the amazing processes that go on behind the scenes, 
the clues that clinch the case. And my name is Tracy Alexander. I'm the president of the British Academy of Forensic Sciences. I've spent years inside these processes, searching for those clues. I've dedicated my career to using science to help the course of justice. And my work has ensured that hundreds of criminals have gone to prison and the wrongly accused go free. Together, we're going to lift the lid on some of the most extraordinary cases from around the world. We'll discover how, with the help of science, everyday items have become the key to catching a killer. From What's the Story Sounds, this is Smoking Gun, the bottle of Coca-Cola. Alturas is a quiet, unassuming area of Polk County, Florida. It's famed for its production of citrus fruit and its cattle farms. The air was often filled with the scent of oranges. It's also a notably safe neighbourhood. Locals pride themselves on the fact they don't need to lock their doors at night or when they go out for the day. It was among these reasons that Pi Carr and his new wife Peggy decided to move into the area, both bringing their kids from previous relationships. As it turned out, that blend of both families made for a quarrelsome household. And despite the great affection Peggy had for her husband, they too started to argue. You see, she suspected him of cheating. She had good reason for her suspicions too, Peggy had seen her husband's car parked next to his ex's alone in his work car park one day. Their new marriage was on the brink. This was October 1988. Around three months after the family had received the ominous threat in their mailbox. The threat that warned the cars they had two weeks to move out of Florida forever or else. Despite what the note had gone on to say... It seemed that it was, in fact, a joke. Needing some space to work out how they could resolve the issues in their relationship, Pi decided to spend a weekend away hunting. Before he set off, as he packed his car full of supplies, Peggy told Pi she loved him, but added that on his return, he needed to tell her what their future looked like. She wasn't going to continue fighting. Peggy was, in 1988, a 41-year-old waitress at a local restaurant. She was working, like usual, the weekend her husband, Pi, was away. On Sunday the 23rd of October, she arrived in a good mood as she sat with coffee in hand, waiting to start the day's shift, gossiping among colleagues. All of a sudden, she began to feel ill. Her legs started to ache, her hands felt numb, and, most alarmingly, She was experiencing unexplained chest pains. Peggy was spooked. She told her daughter, Sissy, that she thought she was having a heart attack. So excruciating was the pain that Peggy had to be rushed to Bartow Memorial Hospital, just down the road from where the family lived. There, she informed doctors that it felt as though her body was on fire. By the time the sun had set on Florida, Peggy Carr was almost totally unconscious. The doctors ran their usual tests. 
but even after numerous scans, some blood work and an ECG, they could find no obvious cause of her agony. Peggy was kept in for observation, but told that she was lightly experiencing psychosomatic symptoms. It was all in her head. For Peggy, though, the sensations she was experiencing were terrifyingly real. After a few days laid up in a hospital bed, the pain, as suddenly as it had arrived, started to subside. The doctors treating her were totally dumbfounded as her condition improved. Naturally, she was allowed to return home. Not long after that, though, it wasn't just Peggy who had these strange, unexplained symptoms. After hearing the joyful news that his mother was coming home, Peggy's son, Duane, also started feeling unwell. Then, like clockwork, her stepson Travis came down with the same strange illness. Tingling fingers, stomach pains, a sense of burning. A few days of discomfort and utter confusion passed for the two boys at home, then Peggy was back in hospital. This time her symptoms were notably worse, her pain so bad she couldn't even speak. To add to her woes, she was joined by her son Duane and stepson Travis. Curled up in their hospital beds, both the teenage boys wailed in agony. The symptoms they were all experiencing were so odd, so baffling, that right away the police were drafted in. In a team briefing around warm cups of coffee, doctors theorised that the family had been poisoned. Specifically, poisoned with a heavy metal such as arsenic. Arsenic can be found in the groundwater of many countries worldwide, and if one is exposed to high levels, it can cause numbness and tingling of the extremities, muscle cramping, and, in extreme cases, death. But when Peggy Carr's hair started to fall out, one doctor came up with a different theory. The neurologist Dr Richard Hostler delved into the obscure medical literature perched on his office shelves. Perhaps it wasn't arsenic after all. Perhaps it was in fact a much rarer metallic element called thallium that was to blame for their symptoms. It's found in trace amounts in soil, but thallium in its purified form turns out to be a really effective poison. So effective, it was used as a rat poison until a ban came in owing to the danger it posed to humans. Little surprise, then, that it came to be used in many murder cases. When dissolved, it is odourless, colourless and tasteless. The perfect weapon. A subtle and silent killer. It even picked up the nickname Inheritance Powder for its lethal effect and devastatingly frequent use. Anyone poisoned by thallium could experience hair loss and nerve damage, leading to a sensation of walking on hot coals. 41-year-old Peggy Carr was complaining of exactly those symptoms. With Dr. Hostler's theory in hand, medical staff at Winter Haven Hospital tested Peggy, Duane and Travis for thallium. A lethal dose of thallium is approximately 14 milligrams per kilogram of body weight, which, for an average person, works out at around one gram of the chemical. To their astonishment, 
they found Peggy had 20,000 times the natural amount of thallium in her system. Dwayne and Travis also tested positive for the chemical, though only half the levels Peggy had in her body. She had been exposed to so much thallium, in fact, that she would end the day in a coma. Right away, the Polk County Sheriff's Office began searching the car's family home for the source of the exposure. For the small town of Alturas, this was big news, and the pressure was on. It was the job of Detective Ernie Mincy to investigate how the cars had come to ingest this deadly poison. Right away, he found it deeply suspicious. This was an extremely rare type of poison, not, as he explained, the type of poison anybody could find on the supermarket shelves or in their kitchen cabinet. Because of this, he decided the initial investigation was environmental in nature. After all, he couldn't be sure a crime had been committed. Officers needed to find the key piece of the jigsaw, one crucial piece of evidence to ascertain that this investigation should be a criminal one. Dressed in hazmat suits, forensic detectives began rummaging around the belongings of the house. Between the crockery and glassware, fridge and bins, they tested hundreds of items. Detective Mincy and his team even examined the water supply to the property. Then, yet more devastation. The two family dogs became ill, started losing their hair and died. But infuriatingly, there was still no obvious cause. The detectives hit dead end after dead end. Until a major breakthrough. Under the kitchen cabinet, Polk County police officers discovered an eight-pack of 16-ounce glass Coca-Cola bottles. One bottle was missing, three were full, and four were empty. To the untrained eye, this would seem insignificant. But on the lids of the full bottles of the sugary soft drink, police found scratch marks. Almost as though the lids had been removed and replaced. Suspicious, to say the least. The bottles were packaged up and shipped off to the labs of the Florida Public Health Office and the FBI. If these bottles were the source of the thallium, there was every chance this was a crime on a massive scale, not limited to the Coca-Cola found in the Carr's family home. A random killer lurking in the shadows contaminating Coca-Cola bottles and replacing them on the shelves of grocery stores indiscriminately. Product tampering in the US is a federal crime. In Quantico, Virginia, deep inside the halls of the FBI's Forensic Science Research Unit, sat the Chemistry Toxicology Unit. Roger Martz was a special agent who would go on to testify in the O.J. Simpson murder trial in 1995. In 1988, however, he donned his protective clothing and got to testing the bottles of Coca-Cola found in the car's Alturas home. Specifically, he used what's known as an Atomic Emission Spectrometer Test, AES for short. AES is a method of chemical analysis 
which employs the intensity of light emitted from a specific wavelength of plasma to determine the quantity of a certain element in a sample. And bingo! Those tests show the empty bottles were positive for traces of thallium. Armed with that discovery, an analytical chemist with the Elemental Analysis Unit of the FBI lab called Donald Havercost then went to work on the full, unopened bottles of Coke. Using the same AES tests, he discovered that there was over two grams of thallium inside. For context, that's enough to cause the deaths of two people. The phone rings in the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Detective Ernie Mincy answers. He's informed of the lab results and his investigation into the poisonings turn sharply from an environmental one to a criminal one. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The threat of a silent mass killer on the loose was the police's first concern. Is someone tampering with Coca-Cola bottles at the factory? What about at the supermarket, picking up bottles, lacing them with thallium and leaving them on the shelves without concern for who places them in their shopping trolley? The race was on to find answers, all while Peggy Carr and her sons remained in a critical condition. The detectives naturally made contact with Coca-Cola. Each eight-pack had a unique lot number. With that, officials at Coca-Cola could determine precisely when and where this specific 8-pack was produced. 
they discovered that it was impossible for the eight bottles containing thallium to be packed together, so it couldn't have been tampered with in the factory. As it turned out, Coca-Cola had heard no separate reports of thallium poisoning from their product nationwide. Detective Mincy came to a startling conclusion. This was a targeted attack. Someone wanted to poison the Carr family specifically, and the Carr family only. Another key development happened right then and there, too. Detective Mincy was taken aside, into a quiet room in the Winter Haven Hospital, and informed Peggy Carr would not survive the ordeal. This was becoming a homicide investigation. And as with any homicide investigation, the lens turned to those who knew the victim best. Pie Carr, Peggy's husband, seemed like the ideal suspect. He was out of town on a hunting trip when the poisoning occurred, and you'll recall the couple had been arguing. Peggy had accused him of cheating. Even Peggy's son Dwayne thought his stepdad's story was all too coincidental. But of course, Pi's son Travis had been poisoned too. The father and son were extremely close. Would he really have been so careless in his actions? And it transpired that Pi had himself been exposed to the thallium. In fact, everyone from the family home had traces of thallium in their systems. Anyone knowledgeable enough about chemicals to use the rare element would not have been careless enough to poison themselves. As they collectively racked their brains, the family discovered they were unsure who had actually purchased the eight-pack of Coca-Cola in the first place. So the detectives started to look further afield. Remember, Altoros was a safe rural community. Front doors were regularly left unlocked or even ajar. There was every possibility someone from outside the family had placed the bottles in their home. This time, officers were aided in their search with a suspect profile created by the FBI. Police narrowed their search to a white male, who would likely be extremely intelligent, with a passive personality, who avoided direct conflict. George Trepal and his wife Diana Carr were an eccentric sort of couple. They were both members of Mensa, the High IQ Society. Diana was an orthopaedic surgeon. She was somewhat domineering too. George, on the other hand, was a little more submissive, a freelance computer programmer by trade. They both loved true crime and happened to be direct neighbours to Peggy and Pi Carr. They were the type of couple who valued peace and quiet. So when the Carr family kids blasted loud music, popped firecrackers and rode their three-wheelers on the couple's property, squabbling duly ensued. It transpired that in the days leading up to Peggy's poisoning, she had an intense argument with Diana about the music coming from their house. In fact, Dwayne recalled the two women unreasonably yelling at one another. When they heard about the dispute, police were onto it in a flash. Detective Ernie Mincy made his way to Diana's office in Bartow, Florida, to have a conversation with her. He was warmly welcomed with a cup of coffee 
and told that the cars were not their sort of people, but that the disagreement was nothing out of the ordinary. The police turned their attention to George. He seemed to fit the profile more than his wife, Diana. White, intelligent, passive, and avoidant of direct confrontation. They turned up on his doorstep. He was twitchy, nervous, and he went into great detail about how frustrating he found his neighbours. But it was something specific he said to Detective Mincy that really set alarm bells off. In response to a basic question, why would someone want to poison your neighbours, George Trepal said, someone wanted them to leave. Someone wanted them to leave. That answer struck Detective Mincy as peculiarly reminiscent of the anonymous threat Pie Carr had received just months earlier. Duane and Travis, Peggy's son and stepson, would go on to make full recoveries from their ordeal, despite the frightful suffering. Peggy, however, would not be as fortunate. After months in a hospital bed unconscious, comatose, her life support was switched off. As she slipped away peacefully, her family watched on in despair. The search for her killer only intensified, and police had by now zeroed in on Peggy's neighbour, George Trepal. A background check revealed that despite what he told officers, Trepal was in fact a bit of a self-taught chemistry buff. He was a known drug user and had been rumoured to experiment on others. Years earlier, Trepal had been known to take part in a frightening hobby. Whilst on a road trip with a friend, he'd often stop at the first sight of hitchhikers. He'd welcome them on board his beige station wagon and offer them cookies, laced with LSD. Then there's the meth labs. It turned out that in 1975, George had ended up in prison, convicted for conspiracy to manufacture methamphetamines. Trepal was a chemist, and a good one at that. He'd have likely been well aware of the effects of one of the ingredients used in the production of meth, thallium. But to others, George did not fit the typical image of a callous murderer. He was more like a quiet computer nerd, eccentric in his style, but private in his daily life. He kept himself to himself, he was seemingly harmless, and the police had another hurdle in their investigation. George Trepal was extremely smart. If he had managed to pull off murder, there was every chance he would get away with it too. Fifty individual officers from the Polk County Sheriff's Office would go on to work on the investigation into Peggy's murder. One of them was Detective Susan Gorek. An immovable problem for the police was, even though they were convinced of George Trepal's involvement in the murder, they had no hard evidence to pin the crime on him. So Detective Gorek donned a disguise and went undercover. She was an easygoing, trustworthy officer with coiffed brown hair. And over a tireless 15-month period undercover, she sought to gain the trust of Trepal. 
Going undercover, though a controversial tactic, can provide police with key information not otherwise available, especially when dealing with a suspect like George Trepal. Quickly, an entry route into George's circle of trust was spotted. In April 1989, he and his wife Diana organised a Mensa Murder Mystery Weekend, and they advertised it in the local press. The newspaper clipping made its way across Detective Susan Gorek's desk in the Polk County Sheriff's Office. Gorek duly became Sherry Gwynn, an apprehensive shy woman in the process of separating from her abusive husband. The detective arrived at the event under her assumed identity in a local Alturas hotel. A sunny, simple place with a pool out front, it hardly seemed the place for the imagined murder mysteries. But one such plot seemed anything but imagined and shocked Detective Gorek when she took her seat. In a pamphlet written for the event by George Trepal, she read, Most items on the doorstep are just a neighbour's way of saying, Move or else. This, of course, prompted memories of the threat the Carr family had received almost a year earlier. Move out of Florida forever or else. The or else in George's Mensa murder mystery? You guessed it. Poison. The pamphlet went on to explain that anyone who received such a threat should know that their food or drink could be poisoned. Ominous? Suspicious, but not an irrefutable smoking gun. Detective Gorek needed more. She plucked up the courage to approach Trepal and quickly gained his trust. Interestingly, she found him to be pleasant, kind and a brilliant conversationalist. Their relationship blossomed. The undercover detective, Susan Gorak, quickly discovered that George Trepal and his wife were planning on moving out of town, moving from Alturas to the nearby city of Sebring. Noting her opportunity, she told George that she happened to be in the market for a house in the area. Although it took a few months of phone calls, a few months of gaining George's trust further and learning about his controlling tendencies, Detective Gorak miraculously ended up a tenant in Trepal's empty home. With his home to herself, she invited detectives over to conduct a thorough forensic search. They scoured the entire property, hunting for any evidence that could implicate George in his neighbour's murder. Luckily for the detectives, he'd left the house and its contents untouched when he and his wife moved. Any items detectives found were bagged up and sent to a now familiar setting, the FBI labs in Virginia. Meanwhile, Detective Gorak had organised a regular catch-up with George. Sitting in a parking lot, surrounded by unmarked police surveillance cameras, she pressed him on the poisoning of his neighbours. Of course, it wasn't a detective pressing, though. It was her undercover character... Sherry Gwynn. Timidly, she'd asked why he'd neglected to tell her about the murders. She told him she'd been creeped out when she found out the news. As her landlord, he tried to calm her down. 
and he did so by disclosing something nobody knew publicly. He told the undercover Gorak that he thought the poisonings were a personal vendetta and that she was not at risk. For Gorak, this was the piece of information she needed to convince her that Tripal was responsible. Tripal had murdered Peggy Carr. FBI agent Brad Breck was part of the detailed search of George Tripal's Alturas home. Deep in the drawer of a workbench in Tripal's spiderweb-filled garage, he came across a small brown bottle. He uncapped the lid and noticed inside an unidentified, suspicious-looking beige-coloured crystalline powder. When Donald Havakos, the forensic chemist at the FBI, got his hands on the powder, he ran the same test he'd done on the Coca-Cola bottles, the atomic emission spectrometer test. Crucially, it revealed traces of thallium. To be precise, 640 milligrams of the stuff. Once matched up with the traces found in the bottles of Coca-Cola, police had their smoking gun. Sebring, Florida. A city with a population of 10,000, home to the Sebring International Raceway that played host to the 1951 US Grand Prix. It lies just 38 miles south of Alturas. In a quiet part of town sits a sky-blue, coloured, detached house. Spring 1990. The police approach and knock on the door. As the door swings open, George Trepal appears at the top of the stairs in a pair of blue bikini bottoms. In his new home, he is arrested for the murder of Peggy Carr. His response to the arresting detective Ernie Mincy, is it all right if I put some clothes on? As police execute their search warrant, they discover yet more chemicals. Bottles of containers with exotic compounds inside, unidentified and likely dangerous. They also discovered what appeared to be a sealed torture room. But more importantly, detectives stumbled upon a book called Poison Detection in Human Organs. It was a second edition copy written by the renowned British forensic toxicologist Alan Curry, PhD. The book was scanned for fingerprints and unsurprisingly, George's were all over them, including on a page detailing the effects of thallium on humans. Not only that, but the page in question, amongst others, had been photocopied. He hadn't simply thumbed through the book. He'd scrutinised it. He'd studied it. On Saturday the 7th of April 1990, George Trepal was charged with the murder of Peggy Carr and the attempted murder of the rest of her family. When Peggy's son, Dwayne Doubly, turned on the news in April 1990, he was shocked to see George Trepal being marched into the Polk County Jail in an orange jumpsuit. To Dwayne, this eccentric, nerdy neighbour was no killer. 
But as his trial unfolded, he and the rest of the Carr family came to hear from prosecutors that this brilliant man thought he could get away with murder. They systematically presented to the jury that he could be the only man responsible for lacing the Coca-Cola bottles with thallium and placing them in the Carr family home. Tripal did not take the stand in court, but the jury was convinced by the evidence alone. On February 5th, 1991, they returned with a verdict. Guilty. Guilty of murdering Peggy Carr. Guilty of attempting to murder the remainder of her family. He was sentenced to death. Under state law, he can choose between the electric chair or lethal injection. George Tripal remains on death row in Florida to this day, among 301 other inmates. Smoking Gun is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's narrated by me, Romola Gary, and by me, Tracy Alexander. Executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. The series is supported by the British Academy of Forensic Sciences. Their work supports the international fight to improve forensic techniques, to share ideas and develop the crime-solving scientific advances of the future. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give it a rating and review and help to spread the word. You can listen to a new episode of Smoking Gun every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.